Hey, it's Craig. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Canadian History X early and ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Greetings and welcome to another episode of Canadian History X. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can for as little as $3 a month. Just go to patreon.com slash CanadaEHX. You can also donate to the podcast by going to CanadaEHX.com and clicking donate. Don't forget, I have two other podcasts out there, From John to Justin, which releases every single Friday, and Canada's Great War, which releases every single Sunday. If you like, you can email me at craig at CanadaEHX.com. You can find me on Twitter. My handle is Craig Baird, C-R-A-I-G-B-A-I-R-D, and I'm on Instagram at Bairdo37. She was a celebrated actress, a nurse, the wife of a millionaire, and also a resistance fighter who fought against the Nazis during the Second World War, proving herself to be capable, brave, and somebody to be reckoned with. Her name was Mona Parsons, and while she is not as well remembered today, she did more in her life than most of us will do in five. Born on February 17, 1901 in Middleton, Nova Scotia to N.H. Parsons and Mary Parsons, she was the only daughter they would have. Her family was decently well-off considering the time, with her father operating the Parsons and Elliott home furnishing business. Her father was also the former commanding officer of the 85th Battalion, where he had the rank of colonel during the First World War. She would attend the Acadia Lady Seminary in Wolfville, where she earned her certificate in elocution, which is the study of formal speaking, which put her on her way to becoming an actress. After her graduation, she attended the Curry School of Expression in Boston, and then came back to Nova Scotia and attended the Acadia University where she began acting in local theatre productions. After some time in Arkansas, she would study acting and move to New York City in 1928 so she could become one of the legendary Ziegfeld Chorus Girls in the Ziegfeld Follies. Her career in acting unfortunately did not progress much beyond that point, so Parsons would turn her attention to bettering herself through schooling. One reason for this was that her mother fell ill in 1927, and Mona would return home to nurse her mother, but sadly her mother would die three years later. During her time in New York City, she would attend the Jersey School of Medicine, and she would graduate at the top of her class as a nurse. She was then employed at the New York office of a doctor who would come from Nova Scotia as well. In 1937, Parsons was introduced to Willem Lenhart, a Dutch millionaire and the couple would marry on September 1st, 1937 in the Netherlands, where she would begin to live a life of privilege in a beautiful, huge house. For their honeymoon, the couple traveled around Europe by car. Despite her wealth and her ability to come back to Canada as a Canadian citizen, she would join the Dutch resistance with her husband in May of 1940 when the Netherlands were invaded by the Nazis. One of the most noble ways she helped was by providing sanctuary to Allied airmen who had crashed in the Netherlands. When the Germans first invaded, she dismissed the servants from her home so the top floor could be used to shelter airmen. For times when the Nazis searched the home, she would put the airmen in a hiding spot behind the closet in the master bedroom to protect them. Due to the fact that their home, which they called Ingleside, was a large property with a long driveway surrounded by trees, it was a perfect place to hide pilots. The pilots would then be taken by the Dutch resistance to boats that allowed them to rendezvous with British submarines and return to England. 
The last airman to be housed in her home stayed for six days in September of 1941, before they were caught by the Gestapo during transport to the coast after an informer told the Nazis about Parsons and her husband. The story goes that on September 19, 1941, Mona and Willem visited with friends in Amsterdam, and upon their return back, they had two men with them, William Moore and Richard Pape, who were crew members of a downed Royal Air Force bomber. Due to the informant, the two men were arrested when they attempted to get out of Denmark. Soon after, on September 29th, Parsons was arrested by the Gestapo and sent to prison. Interestingly, in my research I found stories that stated Parsons' husband was arrested with her, but others, which were much more accurate, stated that he went into the underground on the assumption the Nazis would not prosecute Parsons due to the fact that she was a woman. In that story, she told the Nazis that her husband was on a fishing trip, and she was still promptly arrested. In that story, her husband would be found three months later, after which Parsons went on trial. Initially, Parsons attempted to play innocent of the whole affair, but Pape had a card with her name and address on it that she wanted him to pass on to her father through friends in England. This was all the proof that the Nazis needed, and they would threaten her in prison and offer her the ability to return to her home if she gave up information, which she never did. Parsons would wait for several months before her trial on December 22, 1941. Her counsel in that trial was a young German soldier who spoke neither Dutch nor English, and Mona spoke no German. The prosecuting attorney seemed to have a deep hatred of Parsons, and she would say later that he, quote, typified the arrogant Nazi officer seen in Hollywood movies. He was a tall, repulsive man with a cold, pale blue eyes, stringy, colorless hair, and heavy, thick glasses. He could have had a monocle. He seemed so full of hate. I doubt if he was even pleased with himself. He appeared to have a grudge against the whole world, and his immediate target was me. My answers and my determination not to display any emotion plainly infuriated him. When he became overly abusive, the judge calmed him down. End quote. Found guilty of treason, she was sentenced to death, but due to how she responded to her sentence, described as with a dignified calm, the judge permitted an appeal and a sentencing to life with hard labor. According to sources, rather than break down at her death sentence, Parsons proceeded to walk out of the courtroom, then turn, clicked her heels, and said, Guten Morgen, mein Herren, or good morning, gentlemen. Parsons would say of the incident, quote, I knew all eyes were on me, expecting me to burst into tears. I was determined not to humble myself before any of them. As I left the courtroom, I put my heels together and bowed towards the judge, the prosecutor, and my German counsel, who were standing together in a group. Guten Morgen, mein Herren, I said. My action took them by surprise. They stared at me with their mouths open. After they stopped gaping, they returned my greeting. The judge followed me from the courtroom and approached with an outstretched hand. End quote. Now we're going to take a quick sponsor break. I always loved Sunday nights on Discovery Channel because they would play the best documentaries. That stopped several years ago as the channel went for a more reality-based television than thought-provoking stories of science and history. Thankfully, over a year ago I began to use CuriosityStream, a streaming service that has documentaries about everything from ancient history, to the origin of chocolate, to even talk of the current COVID-19 pandemic. I love CuriosityStream, especially on a lazy and rainy Sunday when I can watch the story of a Viking mass burial, learn about Neanderthals, see how castles were built, or just enjoy some nature shows as I sit on the couch with my dog. 
Curiosity Stream is perfect if you love those documentaries that used to play on cable channels before truckers driving on ice roads, prospectors panning for gold, or families living in rural Alaska took over. Curiosity Stream is also highly affordable and is well worth the money considering the amount of content they have. You could spend every weekend for months watching all the shows until your heart is content, and you still wouldn't get through them all because the streaming service is always adding new content. Regardless of the device I'm using, CuriosityStream can work on it. I've used CuriosityStream on my computer, iPad, Apple TV, and my Xbox, depending on where I am and what device I need to be using. I can't recommend this service enough, as it's brought me plenty of joy over the past year and more. When I found out that it existed, I didn't waste any time in getting it, and I'm glad that I did. You will be too. Visit CuriosityStream.com to learn more, and remember, stay curious. In early January, as she was awaiting transport to prison, she was at a railway station and she saw three male prisoners. One of them turned out to be her husband, Willem, who had dyed his hair and colored his skin to disguise himself. It didn't work and he had been captured. She ran to him to hug him and exchange a few words before guards separated them. On March 6, 1942, Parsons was taken to Anrath Prison and then to Winnenbrook, where she worked creating plywood wings for small crafts and making igniters for bombs. Conditions were terrible at the facility she was kept at, and she fell ill several times until she was eventually just tasked with knitting socks for German soldiers. In her work, Parsons would often do a poor job on purpose as a sign of minor resistance to her situation. She would write later, quote, The first year I was ill a lot, weighing only 94 pounds and it was green. Night sweats, coughing, and diarrhea every day for three and a half months, and often vomiting. Tears have run down my cheeks for hunger. There were no medicines to be had. We slept four in a tiny cell built for one. In all the years of imprisonment, I slept always on a straw sack on the floor. End quote. During her time in prison, she would lose hair from malnutrition, and several teeth would fall out as well. She would remain at the facility for three years until February 6, 1945, when the prisoners were put on a train and sent to a prison in Vecta. On March 24, 1945, the prison camp was bombed, and Parsons was able to escape with, and I will do my best to pronounce this, Dutch Baroness Wendeline van Boetselaer. Some accounts state that the warden opened the gates and told the women that they could take their chances with the bombs and bullets flying around, while other accounts state that Parsons and Boetselaer fled as the bombs were flying. According to some sources, the warden was sympathetic and would even give Mona her sweater and shoes before she left. The pair walked through freezing temperatures wearing just their prison clothes until their shoes finally fell apart. Parsons could now speak some German, but she did not speak it out of worry that her Canadian accent would give her away. Instead, she pretended to be the Baroness's mentally challenged aunt and could not speak. Parsons would say, quote, there was nothing funny about our situation. We were far behind the Nazi lines and at any moment might be captured. If that happened, our lives wouldn't be worth plugged Fennig. Wendy said if they catch us this time, we will be shot. End quote. The ruse would work, but there were close calls. At one point, they accidentally hailed an SS policeman while looking for a place to spend the night. He offered to take them to his home, and they knew refusal would invite suspicion, so they went with him. Another incident occurred when Mona was staying with a family, and they had to take refuge for three days while a battle raged nearby. The farmer at the property went up to see what was happening, and he was killed by an artillery shell. 
The pair would evade capture for three weeks, exchanging work for food and a bed to sleep in. Over the course of those three weeks, they walked 125 kilometers through Germany until they were separated at the border. Parsons would continue by herself, finally reaching the Netherlands, where a Dutch farmer took her to the North Nova Scotia Highlanders. By the time she reached them, she was thin, weighing only 87 pounds, looking sickly with blisters all over her bare feet, and she was missing two toenails. Her arrest and escape would be turned into a heritage minute in 2005. No, no, no. I'm telling you, I was in a German prison camp for four years. What's going on here, Sergeant? Claim she's a Canadian, sir, but she could be a German spy. What's your name, lady? Mona Parsons. Mona Parsons? From Wolfville. It's me, Harry Foster. Gosh, what happened to you? I was in the resistance. The Gestapo got me. Darauf besteht die Todesstrafe to erschießen. Meine Herren, guten Morgen. Dear lady, you have great courage. I recommend you appeal the sentence. Living in Holland during the war, Mona Parsons had helped downed Allied airmen get back to Britain. I will escape. And she did escape. And back in Nova Scotia after the war, she married General Harry Foster. Upon reaching the Canadian troops, her story sounded almost unbelievable, and she was taken to the Canadian Army rear headquarters to determine if she was a spy or not. Thankfully, she would encounter several officers with the North Nova Scotia Highlanders, who she had known back in Nova Scotia, and they would vouch for her. One man was Captain Robbins Elliott, whose father was the doctor who attended to Mona's mother during her final illness. For her service during the war with the Dutch Resistance, Parsons would be presented with a commendation from both Lord Tedder, the British Air Marshal, and U.S. President Dwight Eisenhower. Following the war, Parsons and her husband would be reunited after four years apart. He had dealt with his own imprisonment and he would never fully recover from it, passing away in 1956. Upon his death, Parsons found out that one quarter of his estate was left to his mistress, and under Dutch law, the other three quarters was left to his biological son, whom he had had with his mistress, and who Parsons did not know about. In the end, she was left with nothing despite a legal battle that lasted for years. In 1957, she returned to Canada with nearly nothing, but she would reconnect with Major General Henry Foster, who had commanded two Canadian divisions during the Second World War. The pair had been friends earlier in life, and upon meeting again, fell in love. They would marry in 1959 and live at Lobster Point, Nova Scotia. Foster would pass away in 1964, and Parsons moved back to her hometown of Wolfville, where she stayed until she died on November 28, 1976. For the rest of her life until she died of pneumonia, Parsons would deal with nightmares from her time in the prisons and her daring escape. For the next several decades, her story was mostly unknown aside from brief mentions and memoirs of the soldiers who knew her. But recently that began to change as more books and more history was written about her amazing story. In May of 2017, a statue of Parsons was unveiled in Wolfville. I hope you enjoyed that episode and my look at Mona Parsons. If you did, please leave a rating and review. If you like, you can reach me through email at craig at canadaehx.com. You can also visit my website where you'll find hundreds of articles on Canada's history as well as all my podcast episodes. Just go to canadaehx.com. And don't forget, you can support the podcast through Patreon. 
There are multiple tiers to choose from, all with great benefits. You can support the podcast for as little as $3 a month. Just like all of these wonderful patrons have, and I apologize if I mispronounce any names. Randy Hayden, Doug Campbell, Reg W., Deborah Carlson, Francis Helbling, Randa McCallum, Diane Wade, Lorianne Kirby, Gary Dolovich, Nick Zinri, Shannon Marshall, Clinton Martinez, Dimitri Chauve, Aaron O'Hara Myers, Robert Dunseith, Todd Casey, Catherine Rawa, Luke S., J.P. Bear, Jason Hall, Phil Maynard, and Iris Gray. If you want, you can find me on Facebook. Just go to facebook.com slash CanadianHistoryX. You can find me on Twitter. My handle is Craig Baird, C-R-A-I-G-B-E-A-I-R-D. And you can find me on Instagram. Just go to Bairdo37. Information comes from Canadian Encyclopedia, Heritage Nova Scotia, Historica Canada, Wikipedia, Canada's History, Veterans Affairs, and Defining Moments Canada. Thanks. We'll see you again next time.